0: to episode 31 the all things strength and wellness podcast I'm your host once again Robbie Burke and on this episode I had the pleasure in interviewing Ashleen Fitzgibbon, aka the girl against fluoride on this episode me and Aisling discuss everything and anything to do with Aisling's campaign against water fluoridation in Ireland it was an extremely informative interview and I hope you guys really enjoy the show okay um Fitzgibbon, Fisgibbon it's uh, it's great to have you on the podcast just for my listeners who aren't familiar with who you are and your work just fill us in
1: uh, my name is Ashling Fitzgibbon, and my other alter ego name, my campaign name, is the Girl Against Fluoride. I'm 26 years old, and I'm from Kerry in the Republic of Ireland. And I've been running a campaign to ban fluoride for the past year, of being active. And during that time, I've been doing lots of bizarre, different, creative ways to raise awareness within the public domain and to try and get the mainstream. Media to cover it, um, I'm also going to be taking a high court case against the Irish government because we have a policy of mandatory water fluoridation here in the Republic of Ireland. So, and at, th- at the same time, I'm also a student. i um, studying nutritional therapy. I'm a at a college in the UK called the College of Natural Nutrition. So mm-hmm. I'm very obviously important, very concerned about water quality for our health and many.
0: But
1: actually is, is fluoride not good for our teeth that's what the kind of conventional thought is that fluoride is in the water at this optimal level which was once stage one part per million and which has now been lowered to 0.6 0.8 parts per million that's in the water to protect your teeth from dental decay but that is really not accurate at all i mean we've seen between our country which is fluoridated and other countries in europe that are non fluoridated they're not adding these chemicals to their water, but they actually have, in fact, better dental decay rates in their countries. And a lot of the evidence now coming from dental research is showing that fluoride benefits are topical, meaning delivered through toothpaste, and you spit it out; you don't swallow it, ingest it. Um, you know, the original belief when it was introduced here in Ireland in the '60s was that it had to be swallowed, but now. Obviously, it's 50 years next year, down the line, and it's now believed that it's not necessary. In fact, there's a growing body of evidence that's showing that it's very harmful to the body. Um, So we can go into that in
0: more detail. Yeah, we'll definitely get into more detail on that. What about the argument, then, that people say, okay, even if it is toxic, the dose is too low to cause any serious damage to anyone's health?
1: Yeah, that's the whole kind of thing that's brandished around us, you know, it's at such a low level, um, how could that be impacting on us? But the thing is, it's not just in our water at this concentration, it's also in every food and beverage that we're consuming. Um, There's been a huge investigation now run by Hot Press magazine, which is a very popular magazine in Ireland, and people can freely, you know, they can read the articles online at hotpress.com if you search fluoride, what's being uncovered at the moment is the huge discrepancies between what the actual Food Safety Authority of Ireland are saying, the levels of fluoride in food, when actually, they have now been tested independently by an environmental scientist, and they're showing that the foods are ver, you know very highly contaminated by fluoride, and there hasn't been any overall dietary intake ever conducted to show what we're actually taking in from a number of sources. So it's in like breads, it's in Soup, it's in everything. So you're getting an uncontrolled dose, and also you're giving. You can't control who's receiving that dose. So what an infant is receiving is the same as what somebody, as an adult, is even healthy, and somebody with kidney disease has been shown to not be able to excrete up to 90%. So this is okay at a low level, but it's bioaccumulating over time, causing a number of health issues, and as well, not even taking into account people who have sensitivity within the population so there are people who have already underlying nutritional deficiencies like iodine deficiency for example will be exasperated by the, the, the use of fluoridated water and um, which obviously further depletes the body of this essential um, supplement or not supplement essential nutrient which is needed for not only thyroid health but also maintain the blood brain barrier and there has been evidence to suggests that fluoride is associated with the lowering of IQ in children, obviously, which is very concerning. And I think that the argument that it's in for our teeth is very weak. And in fact, there's so many different things that are, sh- are shown now that are at risk. And to post the health of the whole system, just for the alleged benefit of prevention dental decay, I think is, is too risky a
2: practice.
0: How did you discover that fluoride is a neurotoxin? Like, when when did you who was the one who told you that and and did you initially question it yourself
1: Um, the first time I heard about this was 2013 in 2010 in the summer I went for a consultation to a nutritional therapist and she lives in the UK and up to that point I never knew that there was fluoride in her water and again I would have been at the same belief as everyone else that fluoride is in toothpaste and you know it's good for your teeth that was what I believed and she told me that it's very important not to ingest this in your diet. So she recommended to me to get a reverse osmosis filter and to you know to remove the fluoride and not to drink and cook with it and to make, make, you know, obviously when I'm out of the house to not use that water either and to take the necessary actions just to avoid that. Um, at the time, I had been suffering with depression for a number of years and I had been going to conventional doctors in Ireland and they were... Saying I had depression, and you know they just gave me antidepressants, and that was it. There was no other investigation. Um, obviously, I was a young person; I didn't really want to be on medication anyway. And I obviously felt there was something underlying going on, but I was so I was studying um, as an occupational therapy, so I was very preoccupied with keeping myself going for that. And I, you know, I just let my kind of health suffer. But when I finished my degree. I wanted to really find out what was happening and during that I had the consultation anyway with this this nutritionist and he was saying that it affects your central nervous system and also your thyroid gland and would impair your energy system so that was when I first learned about it three years ago and then I suppose you know I followed her advice and you know after seven months I did get better and then I started looking into it more and I thought geez there must be something more in this you know it can't just do one thing it has to be doing many other things and then i realized that it was shown to be a neurotoxin and this was known back in you know shown in the in the states in america in the 1930s 40s and there was lots of kind of evidence now coming out from studies from china as well showing that the elevated levels of fluoride water was associated with lowering of iq in children and then if you kind of look at you know, nutritional science and things like that, iodine is needed was one of the one of the elements needed to maintain your blood brain barrier and uh, for that to be intact. And so fluoride obviously will then make this vulnerable and allow any heavy metals to be able to enter into the brain. So I you know, all the kind of things that I was encountering again were kinda of all put coming to the same conclusion. And um, and then I looked at what the government was saying and I mean I thought, okay, they'd have all this information to prove otherwise, but I found out that here in Ireland, they have never conducted any toxicological data to show its safety for human health, and it's going to be 50 years next year. You know, so there really isn't the evidence, and any evidence that is used, again, will be based on calcium fluoride, not these artificial chemicals that are coming in, hydrofluoric acid, which... Have been shown as a byproduct of the fast fertiliser industry. Now here in Ireland, they are saying they're sourcing it from a Spanish company, and that they're specially manufactured for the teeth. But obviously, this is something that we have to investigate further, um, especially going forward. The court case is a huge thing because, I mean, these chemicals are industrial grade chemicals. People look into their use; they're used, you know, for heavy duty, industrial use, and you know, how, how can they then be used for teeth as well? You know, it doesn't seem to add up really at all.
0: Can you speak about why 90, is it 98% of Europe have actually banned fluoride in their water supplies?
1: Yeah, in, yeah it's not in 98% of Europe's water. Um, the only place that it is in is here in the south of Ireland and in 10% of the UK, around Birmingham, the Midlands, and in the Basque region in Spain. So all across Europe, there were countries that sometimes they never even allowed them to come in, like the Swedish government. There was a pharmacologist there, and he refute, well, he worked on the Swedish government and said that you should never use the water or the vehicle for delivering a medicine through to your population, because it goes against all laws of modern pharmacology. You can't control the dose, therefore you can't control safety, and you can't control people's sensitivity, etc., um, and the country in Europe then that actually banned it was in Holland, they banned it in 1976. And that was based by um, research being led by a doctor, um, Hans Nulenberg. And again, they did randomized controlled trials. So again, there was one group with fluoride water being consumed and another group without it. And they compared the health between the two. And they could clearly see in the group that were being fluoridated, they demonstrated many adverse health risks and based on this evidence and other other research they decided to ban these chemicals and um, it was put into their constitution that they'd never be reintroduced again um, and then again across Europe other countries who had been fluoridated stopped because of health reasons and also ethical and I think that's one of the strongest arguments against this policy is that it is mass medication of your entire population without people's informed consent we really are doing to people what an individual doctor cannot do to a patient. You cannot force anybody to consume something without their informed consent. And and this has just been put into our water without a consent. And, you know, nobody is tracking the, the potential health disaster that could be, be coming out of this. But um, I think we can kind of see clearly in society that things aren't going right for us anyway in a whole with our health because People are getting sicker at a younger age and I think there's too many environmental assaults going on and obviously with our water, it needs to be as as clean as possible and um, you're adding adding in something that isn't necessarily there to clean the water. A lot of people would say, okay, it's there, maybe it's cleaning away bacteria, but it's not. It's there to treat you and it's there to treat your teeth. But it has been shown that people, around 40% of the population, will actually developed a condition called dental fluorosis, mm-hmm. which is recognized as the white spots on the teeth, and that is shown as a biomarker um, that your body has been basically poisoned by fluoride, but they say has been overexposed to fluoride in the early developmental years. And this is just a sign on the outer skeleton that you know there's actually cellular structural damage to the to the, to the enamel of the teeth. So if it has the potential to cause that in almost half the population, there's absolutely no guarantee what's going on in the rest of the body as it, as it goes in through every cell and tissue in your body. You know, Because the fluoride, even even that aside of it being an industrial chemical, the fluoride ion itself is actually very harmful. Uh, and you'll see in nature that it's actually buffered, it comes in the form of calcium fluoride. Calcium will reduce the toxicity, reduce the bioavailability bioavail, bioavail, of fluoride. So, you're putting in fluoride without any calcium, obviously, with it. It's it's an artificial form of it. And then you're putting into waters and, say, for example, in Cork, there's an area which is very soft water, very low calcium magnesium. So, again, the people that are consuming the water there, they're going to be getting way more fluoride than people with hard water where they have higher calcium. And also, again, that's taking into people's variabilities in terms of you know, their nutrition and what they're consuming in their diet, whether they have the buffering agents there. I was, being, I was reading a paper actually the last day, a research paper coming out from the UK, um, a peer review paper, and it showed that if you're actually in a fasted state, that your body will, will actually absorb 100% of the fluoride, whereas if you're eating food, that you'll take in around 50, 50% and you excrete the other 50%. So that's obviously something to bear in mind, and also the fact that you know in the water you're you're getting this level, but there's foods like tea, and we're actually a really high tea drinking country, and the tea plant itself actually has really high levels of fluoride, so you know people are actually being overdosed, especially if they're making up their tea so it's higher and cheaper teas um commonly available in supermarkets, so people are getting such a high level of horror, Nobody's monitoring it, and nobody is seeing like what it's doing to anyone's system.
0: What do you say to people who say one, there's no scientific okay. research to say that it's dangerous, and two, that there is scientific research to say that it's safe?
1: Well, there are people saying that there is no evidence. As in the Irish expert body who's been set up, Irish expert body in Florida and has is set up by the Department of Health, are saying that there is no evidence to, to suggest that any ill effects arise. When there is actually quite a huge body of evidence, and which has been all com, has all been brought together by a very admirable environmental scientist, um, Jackson Moore, who's from Bandon in Cork, and he has put together a report, and his, as, that was published in two thousand and twelve in February, and that was put into the Irish government. And he brought together a number of he basically his report pulled peer reviewed papers from around the world showing the harm of. our groundwater and that report was made available, people can have a look on enviro.ie, you can download that report, that report is being used all over the world in submissions in countries that are trying to stop their policies of water fluoridation and that's been used successfully in Canadian cities. Last summer there was four cities that stopped fluoridating and they used this report as part of the submission as the evidence against fluoride. And the evidence that is promoting fluoride as being safe is also very questionable. And again, it's based on calcium fluoride, which is occurring in nature, which is very much different to the level the sorry, the chemicals that are being putting in artificially. Mm-hmm. The main kind of argument that they're using is they use agencies' endorsement for fluoridation like the Well the World Health Organization support this, the American Dental Association support this. What well, they fail to mention is that the World Health Organization states that before you actually implement a policy of water fluoridation, you have to do an overall dietary intake of the whole population of their fluoride intake before you even begin. That you know that the people are not being overexposed. This has never been done. And again, if you look at tea, for example, where a nation of tea drinkers, people before you even put in the fluoride in the water are already being overexposed to fluoride just from tea alone. And obviously, you can choose not to drink tea, but most people. You know, they, it is part of the culture. And also, the American Dental Association recommends not to use fluoridated tap water when making up baby's milk. Now, this this is obviously a sign that it's not an, it's not a positive idea to be putting in fluoridation chemicals into your baby's milk. But if you come over to Ireland, there's no mention. In fact, they just, they just promote breastfeeding here in Ireland we have the highest rate of after babies in the world. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's lots of discrepancies in the argument that are promoting it. Agency support does not actually equal peer-reviewed papers, and even then, the money that's involved in this is absolutely massive, and again, we can't be naive to the fact that money is sponsored into funding, that it obviously wants to get required answers for, you know, certain agendas by industry. There's a huge kind of thing at stake for chemical in, chemical companies that are profiting from this, and I think we know with health now that it's all about the money and it's about following the money trail and it's really about not being not be, being naive yourself and just listening to what government throw at you and they, they, even the mention of peer-reviewed papers that can be misleading alone. People just need to think, okay, well, who's funding that research? Number one, you have to ask is backing that and why, why is it that they want you to believe this answer and the whole issue again it's a hugely political and historical issue that people need to get their heads around it's not just presenting information and facts to them right now um, and Adrian Murphy who's the investigative journalist for Hot Press she's done fantastic work in uncovering the whole Irish floor scandal which isn't just applicable to here in Ireland it also can be used for people who are studying the sole issue in the States and in New Zealand, Australia, Canada, all the Florida countries um, that are still using this in their water. So if you wanted to go on and have a read, I said that at hotpress.com, and you search fluoride and there's a very interesting article with an interview with Richie Ryan, who's a former Keeney Gale finance minister, and he was a solicitor, he's now retired, 84, and he took a case against Floyd in 1963. He funded the whole thing himself pro bono, and unfortunately that didn't win at the time. But since that time, Christopher Bryson, who's an investigative journalist for BBC, he has written a book, The Floyd Deception, and in that book you'll find that actually one of the experts that was called upon in in the court case in, in Dublin in 1963, Harold Hodge, his details in his book about Harold Hodge and, and actually that he had withheld information when he came over. He had told the judge, Justice Kenny, that the fluoridation chemicals were perfectly safe at the optimal level, which is their mantra, and that at that time he actually knew that he had caused nervous system damage. You know, he had been involved in um, the Manhattan Project mm-hmm. would work with the atomic bomb, and he understood clearly that had a huge negative impact on workers and also on, you know, with even the, the chemical companies producing these chemicals that people even were taking cases back in the 40s because the damages to people's health and cattle and vegetation around around like fertiliser, aluminium industries. So anyway, it the, caused the question, the whole judgement, which was based upon this testimony given by Harold Hodge, and he was shown to be the most persuasive um, witness at the time in the case. And obviously, we have to now look at this as something that's critically important to review now, fifty years later. That if this individual has understood clearly that this was harmful and, and was allowing this to be put into the water, which I believe is, I think. The whole stronghold of having this in our water in Ireland really is coming from the pressures from America from the public health service in America. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge thing at stake. If Ireland rejects this policy, then it throws into life all of what they're doing with them. So, you know, when you when you read up about the history you really become much more much more aware and much more um, educated about this issue because it really is it's not just a matter of you know, people will talk to me and argue with me and they'll say, oh, show me the best study, show me just one definitive study. Well, this is a very complex issue and you have to understand that we're living in an age where, you know, it really is what, what funding is available for, for, for studies to be, to be conducted. You know, there's very limited studies promoting, you know, complementary health, not even complementary health, but just the basis of nutritional science and biochemistry as opposed to pharmaceuticals, you know, everything is very much led by where the money's coming from and, unfortunately, the money is going in areas where it isn't serving people's best interests, but it's serving industries and massive corporations and what, what profit they, they set to gain. But this is, I suppose, something that is very hard for people to get their head around initially, but once you do start delving into it yourself and you start to research it, it starts to make sense and you start to see why it's happening. Um, there's also a fantastic resource that I recommend anyone to go on if they want to become more aware about this topic and um, that's floydalert.org and that's run by the Floor Action Network which are actually based in states. and they're doing fantastic work with campaign groups all over the world and they provide the best database of all, all the scientific literature you know against fluoride and just selling all the children are you're putting yourself at risk and in order for you to be able to defend that you need to become completely aware and i don't think that you can defend it once you start to become fully aware of what's really happening once you scratch the surface and you go beyond the the lines of that it's safe and effective and that it's you know this has been all dealt with in the past it certainly hasn't been it's certainly not something that people can allow and if you are interested in your health and you're you know you're even an athlete, this is something that you really need to take seriously because if you're drinking more water you're getting more of a dose so again you're putting yourself at further risk this really isn't something that we can ignore any further
0: Can you also speak about, I've seen a a clip in one of your videos where you said listen, fluoride was brought into legislation Ireland when we also thought that asbestos and lead was safe
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly, so I think I mean, Christopher Bryson in his book before a deception he outlines that outlines that very fast that the fluoride science really is asbestos science. It really is, you know, tobacco science. All of these you know, things that were told that were safe or promoted by the medical industry. I mean, you have it's not too long ago in history that people were told that smoking was perfectly safe, in fact doctors were actually an ad, you know, an adverse recommending people to take it and you have to really and again it's just about it's it's about switching the mindset and it's about saying okay somebody's promoting something as being good for my health but i really have to look at their their underlying motives and i have to look at where that money is coming from and that research, and obviously things like asbestos and thalidomide they have been shown to create massive damage to the, the human body and Unfortunately, it's only when you have human casualties that you have the evidence to show that it is unsafe. Um, like in, in America, um, there's a doctor called George Walden, and he, he was one of the first doctors who came out with the fact that tobacco was unsafe for people. He himself was smoking, and he realized he was getting, like, emphysema type symptoms, and then he, he realized that the only way to stop that was actually to stop smoking, eliminate it entirely. And he started recommending people, and he initially was seen as, like, a cranking, you know, he didn't want to believe him but obviously time went on and more casualties arose and they couldn't but acknowledge that it did, you know, it was a cancer causing um exercise, not exercise, uh practice, mm. And um this guy does all well, of that as well as expensive work and research onto fluoride toxicity and he dealt with patients and again he documents all his cases and He's written a number of books. There's a brilliant one called *The Case you know, the um, Fluoridation and the Great Dilemma*, which mm-hmm. is Dr. George Waldus, and you can get that actually on Amazon. It's still available to buy. And yeah. uh, that was published in the seventies. And again, he was outlining all the different health risks due to fluoride back then. And uh, again, he was seen as a crank and kind of ignored in the scientific community because it wasn't it wasn't going along with the status quo that fluoride was there for teeth. And um, unfortunately, he was well. He was ignored, but in his own practice, he got a lot of people better. Just from eliminating fluoride from their diet mm-hmm. and using distilled water. And um, he cleared, he he came over to Ireland uh, actually as well at the same time as um, Harold Hodge And he he testified in the court case in 1963. But unfortunately, he wasn't believed, even though he had all of the information documented and. All of his cases, but Harold has is much more persuasive and more, you know, um, more powerful seeming. I suppose he's higher credentials in, in the eyes of the judge in Ireland at the time, My 60s people would be more naive to that kind of a territory. Whereas, um, whereas now it's like people are aware that yeah, okay, we were told it's smoking but goes, and look at where we are now with that. And I think that fluoride will, in time, be one of those things that we look back in in. in in time, we'll say, How does anyone, you know, that it's a craft practice to allow those things in our water. In our um, it's just a matter of time, and the only thing that's going to change this tide is through people becoming aware, people taking the time to look into it themselves, and through direct action, citizen action. Yeah. And that's the only way, because it's not something that's going to be changed at any stage by the government, but it will have to be taken up by individuals, by groups and eventually once that awareness reaches a tipping point, then that's it, then there's no going back. So that's where we are right now, we're just trying to, you know, raise as much awareness as we can and we we'll do, we have, because it's a kind of funny issue where it's not just a matter of getting onto radio shows and TV shows, which will be quite easy, but you also have like the resistance within the media. And that's another huge thing with with, with creating change and people are very much bought into the whole media culture where they they believe completely what they hear on the national radio shows and the national TV shows. So really you have to kind of come up with more innovative ways and that's what my campaign has been working on the past year.
0: Can you just explain briefly how Flora got into the, the water supply, not even just in Ireland but in America? Just so the listeners might know, and I suppose the best thing to say to the listeners will be to you know definitely check out Christopher Bryson's book, The Fluoride Deception, which yeah. re- which really uh, has just you know it's it's jam packed with information with regards to the dangers of fluoride, and I think if anyone says you know show me some science, that book does have a lot of uh, a lot of good um, references with regards to you know Phyllis who who's a, t- uh, a toxicologist, uh, the Danish physician Dr. and... There was also uh, Doctor Donald Hunter, who who was an actual uh, expert in a in a case for a family called the Martins, who brought Reynolds, his company Reynolds, to court over fluoride toxicity to their animals and their farm. It killed all their like cows and their crops, and like it destroyed their house and all it like etched their windows and all this. And uh, there was also the um, Philip Sadler, who who was a scientist in the Denora disaster back in the fifties. The Denora was the was the town where. There was a, a factory there and there was a big fluoride spillage and they were all claimed that it wasn't fluoride. All the experts were saying oh, it wasn't fluoride that killed all these people and the vegetation and he said it definitely was as he tested the soil. So there's lots and lots of good uh, information on in that. And the, the very funny thing in that book is Phyllis Mullinex's, um relationship with Harold Hodge. She never knew about his history with regards to all the information he knew with regards to fluoride and when she found out she was just so horrified. It was. There's also an excellent uh, summary of the catering institute covering up a study with beagle dogs uh, saying that fluoride gave them emphysema and it was used in a court case but the, the the judge wouldn't let the evidence be used for whatever reason so there's lots of great information in that book yeah but maybe just for the listeners just explain maybe the the manhattan project and why the american government needed to make the make the, the public believe that fluoride wasn't bad just from a court case standpoint
1: yeah, but I think we kind of, the bottom line is yeah, as you're saying with the whole with the work with the Manhattan Project with the atomic bomb, and the actual rationale, I suppose, from why this is in the water, you know, has, when you look into it and you do read the story of and you study what what's going on really um, from historical point of view. Yeah. You just see how it actually was it was basically, I suppose it was like a public relations effort to to prevent litigation being taken against damages from fluoride poisoning. Yeah. Um, obviously, yeah. the fluoride was, was one of the agents within the, bot, the atomic bomb. And um, I suppose they knew there would have been a tide of massive litigation against them. And it was an ingenious, like, hats off to them. It was an ingenious strategy, you know, to avoid people from taking damages to, against them that harmed their health, um, to their environment, to their animals. They had to basically marked as fluoride as being innocuous and as being something that is actually good for your teeth. You know, because I, I heard a slide before, it's like how how do you make a, a rat, I don't no, how do you make a, a shark um, less threatening, you put it beside a rat. It's kind of like this notion of okay, people are fighting the fluoride and it's causing all these issues and we're going to have massive basically all of our money is going to be taken in uh, court damages so they basically dreamed up with the idea that oil oh, is for your teeth and I know that they, they had some study based in an um, area, Colorado Springs in the States and they said that people there um, they had high levels of calcium chloride in the water and that they had lower tensile decay rates basically they were coming out with that yeah. and I think that was, it was based on that notion that um, all of a sudden then that was kind of where they wanted to start putting in the funding to research, yeah, that's lower it is, but you know, study this and do animal studies to show that it makes the teeth, enamel, more resistant to decay, decay. and obviously at the time as well, people probably did have very bad teeth in that era, so um, I suppose it was readily welcomed by people in society, they weren't as, as questioning as people are now, but um, I think from just a legal standpoint, it really is—it it is its like one of the biggest cover-ups, and has actually nothing to do with these. <laughs> but but it was a, a way of them covering up any damage that's been taken taken against them. And if you actually look to um, where they're fluoridating, actually in the UK, there's actually a lot of industrial areas where people would be exposed. I suppose through industrial waste coming off from you know aluminium plants and things like that so it's like if you have it in the water then it's harder for people to actually pinpoint ok it's coming from your factory or it's coming from this uh, you know it's, it's very hard because again people are, are getting it from different different sources so then people take damage claims again
0: yeah yeah just last one or two questions and I'll let you go ask yeah. How how have you found the public's reaction to your campaign
1: um, well, I suppose initially it was kind of like people meet it with disbelief and kind of skepticism, basically, initially. But um, I mean, if people can have a have a look onto onto Facebook and um, my website, thegirldoesflower.com, and kind of just see the kind of the strategies that we do take. I mean, in order for me to get coverage, I actually myself and a group of other campaigners, we stripped down to our pink underwear outside the government, outside the door in Dublin, um, with a banner saying, stripped of our rights, you know, and just to convey the message that we have, been stripped of our human rights to, to save water. Um, I suppose the reaction has, has has increased in popularity in, over the past few months, and that's been main, mainly down to the coverage from Hot Press magazine. Um, I mean, I've gotten coverage in other national papers as well, and, you know, on different radio shows and stuff like that. Um, but I think in general, it's been taken up quite positively. But obviously, the whole issue is getting more coverage. That's the whole of That's where it's kind of lying upon. And um, I think because people have faith in the campaign, that it's, it's got a strategy in terms of taking a court case. Um, and I feel that a lot of people who have been very aware of the issue, and I suppose they set up campaigns, and they do get quite jaded with the whole thing, when they don't see any action. But there has been quite... A lot of reaction in terms of, even on local levels, different councils have been voting to, to end this policy across the country. And at a political level, then, there's been the Sinn Féin, C.D. Brian Stanley, he put forward a bill that was basically to ban fluoride and to make it a prosecutable offence. So um, I presented in, in Leinster House in the government um, just a few weeks ago with the environmental scientists in court and obviously they are they're summer holidays now at the moment in the government so once they're back in september then we'll be pushing again to get more cross-party support there was, there was a number of senators and tvs and they you know they expressed support and they, they had themselves personally been aware mm-hmm. but i suppose again with politics it's all about telling the party life so i think it is about just keeping up this pressure and building the campaign more um, but we did find that in order to kind of get people on board that you have to be very positive and you can't frighten people as you'd like to almost, because uh, when you find all these facts, especially after reading for Deception, you're quite horrified. And, you know, you want to kind of portray images of skulls and crossbones and all this. where people on an emotional, kind of psychological level, they just shut down to you. So the strategy of the Girls Against Clara campaign is really to kind of lift people's moods and do it in a much more jovial lighthearted fashion yeah. not to make you know a mockery of the situation but to just to deliver the message in a more you know user-friendly format and that people aren't intimidated by you um you know it's very pink and girly and you know it's, it's not about um frightening people it's just about informing them but in, in a more positive way and i think your your approach is, everything it's not what you do it's how, how you do it um, and I think people can learn a lot from that, I mean, I've seen, because initially when you find out, you see, you kind of go through a lot of emotions yourself, you're very angry and you're very, you know, you almost, you want to tell everyone, you're like, you just want everyone to find out about you, you just can't believe it, nobody, nobody knows, and you want everyone to be on the same page as you, but like, we've learned through our own kind of journey with this campaign, is that, you know, people, people have to come to different stages, you know, because when you're on the path of discovery, you don't just find out everything overnight. And if you do, you're going to you're, you, you have a bit of a meltdown. So it is kind of delivering things in a more, you know, slower fashion with people and not bombarding them with too much information, but just giving them, the, you know, the main points that would kind of hook them into the topic, basically.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then to obviously get them to go into further details from then on. But, um, I mean, we've got great support from different... High profile People, which is great. We've got, like, the likes of Paddy Casey, and he's actually writing a song for the campaign. So we are hopefully releasing that in the next few months. That's great, because he's um, a very popular Irish musician. And it's that number of musicians, uh, like Jamie Dempsey and Christy Moore, and Monday, and we've got even a food critic, Paolo Julio, he's endorsing, endorsing the campaign. And, again, we're just... Basically, contacting as many people as we can now with information packs, and trying to get them on board and aware. but I think that with this, you see it's very much perceived as a fringe topic, and you know, you're a conspiracy theorist, or this, or that. How so how do you
0: how, how, how do you respond to that? Because that was going to be my next question. Because I was in the gym uh, with with a few of my friends one day. I I work at a facility, and, and it was actually your interview on the radio. I think it was on. I don't know. It was on one of the radio stations that was on, and the uh, the the male guy was really aggravating me. He was like, oh, I don't know. I don't believe it. That annoys me because he's never researched it at all. Like so, I was like, yeah. how how can you say you you don't believe it? You've no research. You you actually have no opinion on this matter whatsoever. But uh, but then uh, some of my friends like were saying that, like. Uh, well, most of my friends would be pretty open-minded but like they were kind of saying you no know, she could be just doing this for you know uh, publicity you know just to be a fear monger to you know get her name out there oh look there's the girl against fluoride right, popularity all this 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 like what what do you what do you say to that like when people just go oh you're just doing it just to get your 15 minutes of fame or whatever yeah um, well
1: I suppose my response is like you know my rationale for doing it is I mean I've been led to this through my own health issues and you know advice given to me. And when I started off on that path, I found out that more people that I've met have also been given the same advice by other health practitioners, even in Ireland, um, mainly, well, focusing a lot on thyroid dysfunction. You know, and obviously, people can think that I'm a conspiracy theorist or whatever, you know, and a lot of people like contacted me and said, oh, I thought you were another a crazy person doing these silly stunts and whatever. But once they did start to engage and start to look into the to the areas and really become much more aware of themselves, that's it. Then there's no going back. Once you find out that it's it, that's it, you know. And I think that, that that's thrown against people like myself and anyone who's trying to just basically highlight issues that are going wrong in our in our society. They are just you know, they're discredited as and seen as a crank or whatever, but it's like, all you can do is keep going and once people are exposed to it from different sources, and it really is, I always say to people, like, don't take my word from this, I'm not, I'm not claiming to be an expert, but all I'm doing is working on raising awareness, and I think that people owe it to themselves to actually, to really look into it, and
2: not to just
1: take a government policy line. I mean, we're living in a time where we have social media and internet and everything, and information spreads very quickly. And we're also living in a time where we can look at and see, you know, different different structures in our society are collapsing, our economies are collapsing. And the faith in in authority that once was is now diminishing quite quickly. And I think for people to be as naive as to think that their government really care about their teeth, I mean, they really need to start, you know, questioning things a little bit further, themselves because I mean they're acting from our government you know the funds are being taken away from critical um, vulnerable people in our society like people with special needs and within healthcare even in the hospitals as much as as much as um, I don't agree with conventional medicine in a lot of a lot of uses I mean people do need to have care and whatever is available for them I mean they're taking money left right and centre but yet they're they're forcing out to these these um, Chemicals um, and the distribution of these chemicals for our teeth. I mean, it really. People need to just think. Okay, does this add up? Add up, and do I trust that this is, is, is really true? And then if all these other European countries have stopped us, and country has banned us, there's grassroots movements. There's not just this campaign. There's many, many other campaigns all around the world campaigning against lawyers, You have to think. Okay, I don't think. I don't think that all these people are actually crazy. I mean. If you look at most of the people involved, I mean, there's Declan Law, he's environmental scientist. He's certainly not a conspiracy theorist. He is, you know, a, a pure scientist, and he himself didn't think anything was flawed. He was never, t- never taught at any university in Ireland. Hmm. And it was only through his friend's suggestion, and his friends kept saying, you know, you really need to look into this, you really need to look into this. And eventually said, look, I'll, I'll put a weekend aside, and I'll, I'll, I'll review the scientific literature. And he said, that was it then. Once he started looking, he couldn't stop. And it really is with this issue. It's like once you once you enter in uh, what you feel, you, it's like everything you believe was real and was, was the way it was in the world is completely the opposite. Yeah. You know, it's, and it's like something as fundamental as our water is being, you know, is being put at risk and, and for our health. You have to start questioning everything. And you have to think, okay, why, why, Ask yourself the question, why is everyone getting sicker? Why are people's children getting more and more environmental diseases uh, like autism, dyspraxia, ADD and all these things? Why why are cancer rates going on the increase? Why are people getting dementia at younger ages? Why why does every second person have some medical complaint? And it's just like people need to switch their mindset as to think that somebody outside myself is higher authority is going to tell me they're the expert group. They're going to tell me exactly what's right for me. People need to make sure, and they have to become responsible for themselves. I mean, starting with something like the water, obviously, you go on to other things like food and all the other issues that are, are going on that are needed for your optimal health. And so that's my kind of responsibility, but I know it's a very long response. But it is just, it's not about me. It's just about the information. And I think when people start to realize that, they can see. Very quickly, that this is a very genuine cause, um, and that I have um, also legal representation. I don't think that any any legal any solicitors and barristers will be bothered wasting their time if they believe that this is a the conspiracy theory. You know, there is genuine concern that this is something that merits uh, merits a very strong case to be taken.
0: Um, just just at the end of your last point, I think sometimes when when you start saying you know all of our all chronic degenerate disease goes up, I just know from like the with that radio show as well, someone said, oh, look, all our degenerate diseases are going up, and your man, you know, the, the radio guy, I think, he just took it wrong, he goes, so you're telling me fluoride is, co- is the only cause of all this stuff, and I think just for the listeners, I mean, listen, what you're saying is fluoride is a contributing factor, along, yeah. with, along, uh, with, uh, along with our, like, nutrition, and our poor sleep patterns, and environmental toxicity, and our, our mental, uh-huh. and our mental, emotional health, is that fluoride is a contributor. To this it's well, not it's not that ashley is saying oh fluoride is behind every single thing it's the primary contributing factor it's not it's, it's one of many contributing factors because because I, I think sometimes well i just heard some people go so she's saying fluoride causes everything because people are like oh our cancer rates are going up and this has gone up and even even in the show that guy got, some guy wrote in saying oh they use it in the holocaust camps and he goes oh they use shoes in the holocaust camp does that mean shoes cause whatever disease and he was just like you're such an idiot that's not what the guy was saying He's saying that they used the gas with fluoride in it to kill people
1: yeah yeah oh yeah and as well obviously you know I'm just saying in general that people need to shift their mindset from um, you know listening to people outside themselves that you think that everything's fine and, and um, people's illnesses are, are just coming coming from the well they're coming from the sky but you know they're coming from some, from, some genetic mutation some genetic flaw in your bloodline but it is you know, the development of all these diseases that we are seeing is the accumulation of many, many environmental uh, effects
2: all adding
1: up to create a (laughs) disease burden. You know, it's not just one thing, obviously,
0: it's many things. Uh, Me me, and you will get on. Well, I always say that. I'm always like, it's the environment. The environment dictates... Dictates your genetic expression, but when you when when I say or when mean you say environment, people think like the environment. I'm like no, I'm talking about environmental factors like nutrition, yeah, circad- and, and circadian, circadian rhythms. The
1: like environment is everything
0: outside your, outside of you. Outside of you, exactly. Yeah. So like your nutrition, circadian rhythms, and uh, inv- environmental toxicity, mental, emotional, spiritual health, exercise is a, is an inv- is an environmental stressor. So yeah. like, I'm always like it's all these stressors, and when these stressors become. Uh, biological mismatches to your organism, they cause yeah. they cause a lot of stress, which causes inflammation. And when you're a very inflamed person, you're going to get a chronic degenerate disease in the long run.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. So it is, I mean, I was at a fantastic conference recently, um, and I was quite heartened to, to hear this information. Um, it was run in a place in Edinburgh uh, called Treatment Autism. And it's an organisation set up basically to try and fight against the tide of, of the of the explosion in, in autism. And there was a Keith speaker from Harvard Medical School, and she's a paediatric neurologist. And she's her name is Dr. Martha Herbert, and she's written a book called The Autism Revolution. And they're clearly showing now. I mean, she believed at one stage, obviously, that it was genetics and it was a lifelong condition. But they're actually showing that it's actually the environment that's causing this. And obviously, it's not just it's not just things like oh, it's one thing or another thing. It's, it's a number of environmental assaults all adding up. You know, it's parents with poor nutrition, as you said, with inflammation, parents with already um, underlying health conditions themselves, they already have a compromised system, and then they're having children, and then their children are picking up their toxicity. They're also picking up their their um, deficiencies. Yeah. And then and then when they're born deficient, in some cases it could be autistic from the word go, other times it could be that they you know different medications are given say ivs of antibiotic use or whatever and it's like the final blow their body reaches a tipping point and their system can no longer cope what they are showing now which is very good is that kids that are taken in now and they're put on very strict diets gluten-free casein-free organic and even with the organics using box organics, so they're not exposed to plastic Um, And then cleaning up the home environment, you know, um, reducing any uh, electromagnetic interference, reducing any stress, like any chemicals, so switching household products. And they're now showing that kids are actually, some are improving to such a level that their quality of life has improved a huge amount. What they were putting down to behaviours was actually physiological issues. They were actually in pain. They had gastric influx. They had, you know, sleep disturbances. Their system just wasn't. It was just completely a rush. and once they made these changes, that the biochemistry starts to sort itself, starts to detox. You know, heavy metal detox is also a huge part of that. But what they are showing is, it's not, these children are only the canaries down, down, the, down the mine shaft. You know, they're they are only highlighting to us that we are all being exposed to these things, but these children are, only, are manifesting, you know, quite severely but it really is showing us that we need to fundamentally change the way we're living and we have to look at what we're eating, what we're drinking. And again, as you said, lifestyle, sleep, all these things, it's not just one thing, it's a, it's a whole host of things. I mean, for, to maintain health is, is you almost see it as an art form nowadays because there's so many things that you have to take into consideration and to change. But I think the fundamentals is, is the food and the way it's being processed and and um, like, there's um, a lovely quote from Rudolf Steiner, and he said that we will starve in the midst of plenty, and I think that's what's happening now. People's bodies are starving, even though there's plenty of food, that they have no nutrients in them. And again, when you're then putting chemicals in the water, who already people who are deficient, and they're going to not be able to deal with the toxicity, and it's going to build up, and it's obviously going to have a, a knock-on effect. on the next generation, and the next generation, and we're seeing, we're yeah. constitutionally getting weaker from all of these things.
0: I mean there there's great science out there as well. I mean, I've heard it from Joseph Shilton Pierce and Bruce Lipton. Yeah. About, you know, the 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 when a mother is pregnant with the child, her environment has a huge bearing on the genetic expression of the child. So if the if she's in a very stressful, hostile environment, the baby's reptilian hindbrain, defensive brain is more it gets more nutrition and blood flow and the child gets more uh, development of their limbs and because the baby's perceiving the world to be a hostile place and he's becoming more of a warrior and a fighter where whereas if the mother was in a more loving protective environment there's more nutrition and blood flow um, to, the, to the child's forebrain and neocortex. So the child's like, oh, the world is a lovely place, and that child's going to be a problem solver and, a, uh-huh. a, and an inventor he, and a lover. He's not going to try, you know, he doesn't feel he has to defend. And Joseph Shilton Pierce puts it really eloqu- elo- eloquently. He says, every time a child is being born or, or a, a mother is pregnant, Mother Nature always asks the same question Do I have to stay back and defend myself, or can I transcend for more intelligence and more, ev- more t- to evolve more? So it's a uh, it's a really great way of, of putting it and just another way of saying again that the environment you know is is the main player in our genetic expression and uh, it's just uh, I, I love that Rudolf Steiner quote as well I read a lot of Steiner I think Steiner was even though a lot, a lot of Steiner stuff can be hard to read but some some of his stuff we've just he was hundreds of years ahead of his time um, Oh
1: yeah definitely he could see ahead and he was a visionary of a great magnitude. I mean, we can take all this and I think already it really is about applying it to our own selves and, and spreading that information and getting people to become aware of themselves. I think uh, Bruce Lipton is a fantastic example and he is very accessible in, in terms of how he delivers his information and how you know he was teaching in the medical field and how then when he realised that it was the environment basically was, was determining the genetic expression and, yeah,
2: yeah. and how
1: that, that, once you make that shift then you see you can you can then put in into your into your mind into your framework of reference that okay if you do put these things in the water therefore you know these things are going to trigger other things and and people are free to those and blah, blah blah and you can kind of see how it, it, these are, are appearing but if you're if you're coming at it from a very different mindset which i think is the majority of people in our society in the world that it's it's very much you know it's not empty to the environment basically it's how you're born and you know, these things just happen because it, it's nothing to do with anything other than your genes. You know, yeah, but, exactly. you know all these things are completely irrelevant, almost. But once you realise that everything is interconnected, and once you are on that that mind mindset, and you're on that kind of path of investigation and you know, building up your knowledge base all the time, you can you can you can easily take on board this. Yeah. So that's why the whole story thing is so difficult to get across to them. The general public because again they will think oh it's your one going on about water you know they just think to these things like oh you can't be thinking of these things everything's contaminated and that's just the way it is but it's really like it's really about people having to become much more empowered in themselves and, and feeling like you can't you can't do that I mean, you, we can't where at this stage in where we are in our, in our in our world that we have to we have to become very responsible for our own bodies for our own health and i think that only when you make that shift that that collectively things will start to change because i think at the moment people are very stagnant and they're very much locked into the whole you know money system and you know it's really our priorities are very wrong you know that we really should be nurturing what we eat and you know, living a much slower pace of life and mm. all of these things
0: will, will then benefit. Like, then again, it's, it's like the, the you know, our, our, I suppose our, our parents' generation, our grandparents, they grew up in a, in a, in a, in a world where they were taught to be victims of, of, of uh, you know, victims of their life, basically, you know, they were, you know, particularly in Ireland you were taught majority of people were Catholic and thought, Oh, you're a sinner and yet you, you know, you have to appease God and Jesus and you yeah. have you have to take what whatever the doctor or priest says, you have to take what they say, they know best, they're the authority, you're just a victim to them and you know Bruce Lipton always says <laughs> he used to say at the end of every show when he explained the difference between the conscious and subconscious mind he would say oh. that he would say that at the end of a show now now you know that you are all 100% in charge of your o- your own health and wellness and destiny and then he said everybody used to go up to him afterwards and be like so you mean the way I am all my diseases and the way my husband and children are is my fault because we didn't take charge of it and he'd be kind of like uh yeah sort of and like he was like all these people used to get so angry so then he changed it to you are one hundred percent in charge of your health and wellness and destiny once you become consciously aware of it. And so he said,
2: "That's, he, that, that's the, the huge
1: difference, and I think that take that switches the guilt away from people as well. Because like, what I once did to my body, and now I look back and I think, how the hell did I ever eat that, or how did I, yeah, how did I ingest that, or how did I drink that? You know, I'm the
0: same. I'm the same myself.
1: You know, and then once you become conscious, you're like, I would never dream of doing that. But then you look at other people, and they're doing it, and you're like." Jesus, how are they, like, bringing their children to McDonald's, or, you know, for example, which has enraged me. I'm like, they're just not conscious. They're just not aware. Yeah,
2: exactly, And it
1: just yeah. is about, like, spreading that awareness. But both, it's just being very aware of other people's emotions and where they're at as well in their, yeah. in their journey. And again, as you
0: as you said, and I'm the exact same, it's it's not about dictating information to people. Like, I all say this, at any. I did a talk, actually, on Saturday, and I all say this at every talk, I do not want anyone to ever believe a word I say. That is the exact opposite I want, I want what yeah. I want people to do. I want people to think for themselves. I want to empower people to think yeah. for themselves. When they hear me talk or you talk or this information, I'm like, I want you to take it on board. I want you to, yeah. to digest it and assimilate it and then come to your own conclusions. But do not believe anything you ever hear off anyone. Like I love uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson and he had a great essay called Self-Reliance. The whole thing is about... You know, believe and trust your own thoughts. Be your own person. Don't be a conformist, and just be conscious. You know, just basically, just again, think for yourself. Because I always say in talks like, because if you don't think for yourself, somebody else will, and then you got Nazi Germany all over again. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you leave yourself vulnerable. I was actually walking past the place yesterday, and it was saying that. Um, it was just had like a little quote on like a board, and it said, "You know, you, you, like, you've got to shape your own world. Shape your own world." or else somebody else was. Yeah. So it is, it is, and it's about us becoming much more intuitive as well. And um, the college, actually, I'm studying with College of Natural Nutrition, it's based in the UK, their whole philosophy is about, it's about getting people, you're not anyone's healer, you are a facilitator of, of getting them, you know, you're providing the information, the tools, and you're giving the support. Yeah. For them to be able to do it for themselves, it's all about people doing it for themselves.
2: Yeah, yeah. it's it's again. completely
1: different. And I think we're moving in that direction. It's You know, you can feel frustrated, frustrated at times, but, you know, when I thought about the autism and the information that's being delivered now, and, you know, and they're saying, you know, nutrition, nutrition, everything, and organics, everything, I just thought, oh, my God, thank God, because about time that people start to realize that that's where we have to go, and it is, and, yeah, and I'm, I always say that as well, you know, I'm not the Girl Against Fire campaign is not an expert, not a bloody guru or whatever you like to call it, but it's just a person kind of raising a flag, going, "Hey, have a look at this, guys! You know, and really start to look at it for yourself. And once you do, you know, then then you can then you can know yourself. But don't
0: mm-hmm.
1: don't don't ever take anyone as an expert outside yourself, because only only you can know what's what's right.
0: And the the last thing I'll say before I'll just let you go and I'll just get you to touch on your website and resources. But you were talking about like you know your your people kind of they're like oh but everything in the environment's toxic and uh, you know people always like oh yeah but like how can we avoid electric medic fields and this 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 and you know all this stuff and I'm always like listen it's a continuum at the far at, at one end the continuum is death, at the other end the continuum is optimal life and health. And I'm like, we want to be as far to the optimal life and health continuum as possible. We're not yeah. gonna we're not gonna avoid everything. So like I'm all like say with bright lights when it's dark outside. I'm very big on circadian rhythms because like bright lights when it's dark outside absolutely just they feck up your hormone secretions and everything. Yeah. Just up your they just fuck up your health completely. But I'm always like this this is an example of the continuum. Uh, you can be under bright broad spectrum lights which is terrible for your health or you can have candles or low-level lamps turned on Uh, like that's much more towards the spectrum on the continuum towards health Rather than you know bright lights, which would be more towards disease and health, like so, I'm always like it's a continuum. If you can remove fluoride, that's moving it towards the better end. If you can remove pr- processed foods, that's moving you towards the better end. So it's it's a continuum. I'm always trying to tell people we're we're mm-hmm. aiming we're aiming for perfection, but we're we'll probably get excellence. That's what we're aiming for. Oh yeah, but as well, I mean,
1: if, I I'm not sure what age you are, but like I'm in my uh, like mid twenties now, and Say, I think yeah, that like so. if I'm thinking like this and I'm living like this, and you know, when I have children, like. I'll pass all this information on to them and I think once they start shifting more and more once more and more people start to think like this then we'll just see a total change in how we live in society obviously we don't see it right now but we're, all this information is pointing in that direction that we, we, are, we are now becoming much more consciously aware of, of the way we are Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely, big time just resources, um, yeah. Aisling, your website, and just any any other resources that I'll I'll stick all these in the show notes at the end, so you can yeah. just bang them out there. So your yeah. what what's the website? My website is
1: thegirlagainstfluoride and on Facebook, um, the Girl against Ride, and on Twitter is at Girls, and then my email is info
2: at thegirlagainstfluoride
0: all right well then that's it for today's show guys actually just stay online and i'll just say my goodbye see offline but for this episode guys that's it great interview with ashley we were only supposed to do half an hour and she she did an extra half an hour it was really really good information so uh check out the next episode and keep downloading the podcast i'll talk to you soon guys take care and be well